0: You're back with Jeremy and Taylor on The Millionaire Marriage. Taylor, let's dive in today, and we're going to help find the wealth in our listeners' marriage by talking about unhealthy marriage habits. Boom. I love it. I think this is an amazing topic that gets
1: ignored so often, so I am excited. I know that you see these every day in your your therapy practice, and so kick us off, Jeremy. Yeah,
0: so the first one is, and I think we're going to have, we'll have probably a whole episode on this, like this kind of idea, but it's first. Okay. So let me, let me digress for a second. The challenge is, is working in a clinical setting. We don't ever talk about this unless the people come in specifically seeking some type of, you know, Christian based counseling or work. But the first thing I think an unhealthy habit is not finding your identity in the right places. Searching for it in the wrong places. And what I mean by that is what I see is that a husband and wife will come in and they'll have challenges or issues. And then you boil some of them down and it's they're finding who they are in wrong places. Like they're searching for their validation, they're searching for their sense of being off social media. Off of what they see in TV or movies, off of what they read in books, maybe their job or career. Job, job or career. Yeah, I see that a lot. You know, people yeah. are like, oh, "I'm a banker," so yeah. I am. Right, yeah, yeah. They're finding their identity first in in things that are not lasting. And I think that the reason why I think that's an unhealthy habit that really drastically affects marriages is because then you have this this sense of identity. That's not real. It's not genuine. It's not authentic. It's not you. And then when that aspect of your life starts to crumble or fade, or you get demoted or you get fired, or you don't look like that girl or that guy on Instagram or that family, all of a sudden you, your world starts to fall apart because you have tried to find who you are in something that's not lasting and so I think the first thing is, is this unhealthy habit of searching for your identity and things that aren't lasting is to obviously do the opposite of that. And so obviously as Christians, like the first place we search for our identities in Christ and what that looks like and what that means. And the second, I think we search for our identity in less about our role and more about who we are because roles change too like roles, like a role of a mom. You can always be a mom, but at the end of the day, your kids may move out or your role as a banker or whatever. Um, So instead of searching for identity and roles, search for it in things that are lasting, meaningful marriage, who you are, what your likes and what your likes are not, things like that. What are your thoughts, Taylor?
1: No, I agree. I mean, I think we talk about this a lot of when somebody asks, Hey, what do you do right who are you right so um i i love to know sometimes i love to know right the answer to people say like when they say hey well who is taylor right so example for me and you um, people hear oh yeah no i heard you did that you're doing this podcast with a guy who's jeremy right how do you know him like i don't know jeremy who who is the guy and i love to hear how people describe somebody else because i think that says a lot about somebody right it says you know what what they're projecting as their priorities. And so I think that's a really great way to say, hey, how do I want people to describe me? When, when they run into somebody who doesn't know me, how, how are they describing Taylor Kovar? Uh, well, how do, what do I want my obituary to read like, right? Is another tactic people have taken in the past? And that's really where where we start to look. What is my identity, right? Is yeah. it in, hey, Taylor Kovar, certified financial planner, Taylor Kovar, married to high school sweetheart, right? Yeah. Taylor Kovar loves a road trip. Well, who, right. who is Taylor? Um, and a lot of that starts internally what what i want to project who do i really want to be when i look at myself in the mirror who am i seeing yeah you know what am i and that may be different from day to day but as long as i know at the core this is who i am and especially who i am in christ and what my goal here is to to do here on earth right go and make disciples of all men what does that look like for me
0: so i I want to tag with what you just said because i I i do this all the time and i work and i work for a bible college and so i work with a lot of younger people And a lot of them just don't know where they're going in life or even marriages too. people just don't know where they're going. And so there's a book I read years ago. Um, It's called um, living forward by Michael Hyatt, but they start off with write your, write your eulogy, which for a lot of people that sounds super morbid. Oh yeah. But the idea is like, who do you want people to know you are? And, and when you get to the end of your life, who do you want to be? And so, I think fi- again, like this idea of finding your identity in unhealthy means, and just how that can drastically impact your marriage, kind of leads to the second second idea is sacrificing who you are for the. And I am using quotes quotation yeah. the betterment of your marriage. And I see this a lot. I am sure I am certain you see this as well in your work in your work with uh, the couples that you work with. Is it's like what happens is people get married. And then instead of like the people growing together, one just dissolves themselves into who their spouse is. So maybe it's like a high business business executive and all of a sudden his wife is just, she's there on his side and she smiles at the right time, but she's lost her sense of of who she is. She sacrificed herself for the quote unquote betterment of her marriage. I see this in ministry as well. Very unfortunately, is you'll have one spouse who has a, and I'm using this care like a predominant ministry calling. Oh yeah, and then their other spouse just fits inside of that instead of allowing God to use them where He's blessed them. Well, I have to be this because this is what my husband is, yeah. or this is what my wife is, and they. And this kind of again, this is why the first these first two kind of tie in together is that they end up losing themselves, who they are, their sense of autonomy, their sense of being for the betterment of their marriage, or the only way our marriage works is if I do whatever they want, that type of idea. And that's really tragic. I think that's really unhealthy because I think what it shows, I think it shows a lack of emotional maturity with both spouses. A thousand percent. So I love what you say, Taylor. I love what you say. You know, you and Meg are on the same team. So because you're on the same team, you want both people to win. Yeah. And I think that's the idea behind this, like not sacrificing who you are. So this is for both spouses. When you look at your spouse and you go, how do I make you win so that you don't have to give up quote unquote, everything you are for our marriage or for me or for my my ministry and Mm -hmm. what I'm going to do or my job or my calling instead of how can we do this together? And how can I support your dreams and your call your vision, whatever that case, whatever the case may yeah, be. Yeah, Cause
1: people, I mean, uh, we see it a lot in marriages where yeah. one just kind of quote unquote falls in line. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> and and, and, and yeah, right. it's, it's unfortunate because um, typically you end up with one spouse who, who loses that self-worth, right. Or self-confidence um, which can, can carry forward in a ton of different aspects. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a lot of times you have the other spouse who's, who may be leading the charge Yeah, who doesn't want that person to lose all of who they are. doesn't want yeah. that person to lose all their right. hobbies or their friend groups or their job or whatever it is they're wanting to do. But I think it goes back to a lot of that honest communication with each other. of Hey, what, yeah. what do we both want? And so, like, for me, I'm very goals-oriented. I'm, I mean, so I sat down a long time ago and wrote out What I want to be when I'm 65, right? I've been working toward that. And so Megan and I work together on a lot of those of saying, hey, where do do we want to be? Yeah. At the end of the day, I don't, I don't, it's not ever where I want Taylor to be. Yeah. So where do I want, where do I want we, where do I want Taylor and Megan to be in our family um, and our kids? And that takes a very dynamic, it takes work.
0: Yeah. Uh, Oh, absolutely.
1: Um, And it takes a lot of conscious effort to make sure that there's not one person just leading the charge.
0: Yeah. So I want to throw an idea and see what your thoughts are on it, Taylor. So, and we've, we've done a whole episode on it. And I think this could be like an antidote to not allowing your spouse to lose who they are is how do I make my spouse's dream come true? Like how, how, if I look at like my, if I look at Erica, so she's, and she calls it an investment. So she's sacrificed a lot. I say us put me through grad school Yeah. and so a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of money. She calls it an investment and it has been an investment to our family, but she's looked at me and say, and says, well, how can I make your dreams come true? But then my response then is okay, babe, well, how can I make your dreams come true too? Because this marriage is about us, not about me, not about Jeremy, the MFT, but about the two of us and what we feel God has called us to do. Taylor, I remember this, this was crazy. So, when I first started clinical work in Houston, I was working with my supervisor, and this was like the interview. So I wasn't even working there; it was just the interview. And at the time, we were we were pastoring a local congregation, and I mentioned that we were pastoring, and the lady looked at me. And she goes, well, "What do you mean?" I said, I, "Like like we're, we're a team. Like we do this together." And she said, I did not expect that from you. And I was like, what'd you expect? She goes, well, she goes, a lot of people that are in your area are not that connected with their spouse. So I have that kind of idea. And she said, that's just really refreshing to hear that you guys are doing this as a team. And that's the idea behind this, not sacrificing who you are, but rather growing and becoming a cohesive unit to where, the two of you are doing whatever it is, not where one has to lose who they are. I hate to say this, but I see it like I have to lose who I am so that my spouse can succeed. Why can't you both succeed? Why can't you both fulfill each other's dreams? And so I, I think that's an extremely unhealthy habit that I unfortunately see too often. I see it a lot, a lot in ministry couples And it's really, it's really, really unfortunate where one person just feels like they have to lose who they are so their spouse can win. Like, if we're on the same team, like, we both want to win. Yeah, we should
1: both be winning this, which leads really great into our next point is, you know, a really unhealthy habit in marriage is prioritizing the kids over the relationship making a kid centered home. And we see this a lot with, with moms, right. And, and I'm not a mom. I'm married to one. Um, But uh, we do (laughs) see, you know, we see a lot in our practice of, you know, they have to, they feel like they have to sacrifice everything for the kids. And it's, you know, we're going to have a, uh, they're going to be in ballet and dance, and they're going to be in piano and drums and tambourine, right. And swimming. And we're going to make sure our schedule is jam packed. And we don't have time for us because it's all about, them, yeah, and, and we've seen on the flip side of that if other couples, a uh, young couples who are going through issues, who want to need a distraction, and so have a kid. A kid will solve the marriage, and Goodness. it's just a child centered home from day one. So many times, and I, it's a huge unhealthy habit that I know bleeds across every aspect. Yeah, and so that's one that that we've seen a lot where you know a couple comes, their parents, and that's it. Yeah, they're parents, and. and you know, I think Megan's done a really good job of speaking to a lot of the new ways that we get to, to talk with. I'm saying, hey, you know, yes, you're a new mom, right? You're a new dad. You're a new couple. But guess what? In like 20 years, the kid's gone. That's exactly right. That. Like the, the kid will, in, hopefully, right? I say hopefully. What kind of relationship are you going to have at that point? Right. Or is it two strangers? Are you two roommates? Right. If every single thing that you do is wrapped up in your children, what do you have to look forward to in the, That's exactly, in the yeah, coming exactly years?
0: Right. It's so funny. You're talking about that. Like, hopefully they'll be gone. Yeah. It's just a funny story. This was, oh man, this had to have been maybe a year ago now, maybe more. And I may have told this before. I don't remember. I think I have, but Bentley come to me and, uh, well, we were talking right there. It was like, I think he was going to bed and we, so we we were chatting and got to talking about college. And he goes, yeah, daddy. I, uh, oh, I asked him. That's what it was. I asked him. I said, I said, well, Bubba, where are you going to college? He goes, oh, well, dad. Yeah. I, I just don't know if I'm going to go to college. I said, "No, no." You, misunderstood my question. I didn't ask if you were. I said, Where are you? You're doing something because you ain't staying here. <laughs> it was, you know, just a joke between me and yeah. him. But the idea, yeah, like well, one day these kids are gonna launch. And if you've let me rephrase that. One day your kids should be launching. Yeah. Cause some don't, and there's a lot of reasons why they don't and a chunk of the reason is parents are uncomfortable with their children launching. Maybe they feel like they've done a poor job. Anyways, that's <laughs> totally different but one day your kids are going to launch and if you've prioritized your kids over your marriage then like the whole episode we recorded you're going to wake up to a stranger in 30 years and 20 years or i'll say this as well if you've prioritized your work over your marriage and i think when i when i talk about this i think people get this idea well well what do you mean like i can't spend you know, eight hours a day with my wife. You know what that means? I don't give my wife my leftovers. Yeah, I don't give her the worst of me when I get home. I give her the best of me. I'm saving the best of who I am, my best energy, for my spouse. Not prioritizing my work, my kids. And you're exactly you're exactly right when you talk about child centered homes. And it was so funny you said that because uh, last night, um, I guess for fun, I just read academic journals. <laughs> <laughs> And and if,
1: yeah. if you're looking for somebody, great to hang out with Jeremy's, you yeah. guys. Thrilling yeah. conversation yeah. with academic yeah. journals. Yeah. Yes. So,
0: yeah. So uh, on that, okay, <laughs> uh, let me tell this as well. So we're, we're coming out with a 31 day challenge. Yes. And. One of the people that was proofing one of the, one of the articles I, I put in there was like, this sounds really academic. <laughs> so we have we had to rework yeah, it. We had to bring it down a little bit. Yeah. Yes. So I was like, that makes sense, I guess, you know, for my like. So last night I was reading this academic journal and it was talking about child centered homes and the and the effects that that has on a, on relationships. It was really fascinating. Um, But I think that is a very unhealthy habit of marriages is when you are prioritizing so many things above your spouse. And I've got I, I to wonder, right? So if you're the spouse that works, you're the spouse that's in ministry full-time, not full-time, but you are gone all the time. I wonder what that makes your spouse, and I, what your spouse feel like. So I wonder if you were to pause and go, I'm at the office 10 hours a day and I get home and I kick the dog, yell at the kids. I don't eat dinner with my family what does that make my spouse feel like? Like if you were to put yourself in their shoes, what type of answers would you come up with? And would it do what it caused to do it? You do anything different. And I think this actually is a segue into our next point is this idea of separateness and togetherness. Mm. So I think unhealthy marriages unsuccessfully navigate the tension of Togetherness and separateness, and what I mean by that is, it's really—I mean—all these are they kind of are are weaving together. Oh, yeah. Is there is some degree of separation that's appropriate, right? Having having that time to disconnect and unplug, you know, for you know, maybe it's I'm going to go do this by myself while you watch the kids, no big deal, or I'm going to go play around to golf or I'm going to go do X, Y, or Z. So there is some level of, there's some level of separation that's appropriate in marriage, but it's navigating how close, how much togetherness do we need and how much separate time do we need? Like the whole thing, Oh God, time, girl time, whatever. But some of that is actually true. Like there, and that's okay. As long as it doesn't become unhealthy, Right. Where it's not like, oh, it's it's girl night five nights a week or it's or I'm going to go to my buddy's house uh, and I do that three nights a week. And it's like that's a little too much separate time. Probably a little more together, a little excessive, a little excessive. (laughs) So I think it's this navigation of this separateness and togetherness and allowing one to override, so like the, t- the togetherness, it's really funny. So, so I finished my clinical work, and so I've been a, I've been home a whole lot more. And Erica was telling somebody, it was right in front of me, so it was it was funny. She's like, yeah, you know, it's been an adjustment having Jeremy home yeah. more <laughs> more than usual, which is I mean, but it's just, yeah. it's really it's funny, true though. yeah, it is true, yeah. it is true. Yeah. But I think it's the it's the unsuccessful navigation of this need for separateness and togetherness that I see. Could really be a detriment and unhealthy habit if we go to complete extremes because yeah. I think the whole togetherness I think can lead to some of the things that we've talked about too much togetherness what we call it enmeshment in therapy so if you guys want to sound like a cool therapist let's talk about enmeshment, enmeshment yeah where there's so much togetherness that there's 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 no autonomy among the members because there needs to be autonomy and it's important for kids because that teaches kids it's okay to launch hey, you're not raising kids, right? You're raising adults. Right. And so that's, I love that. Thank you. I'm going to steal that. That's my little
1: nugget for the day. Yeah. I'm stealing that. Yeah. No, but you're exactly right. No, I I think we see a lot. I've seen it time and time again with young marriages in particular where um, couples have fallen into their routines, right? So they're in their early twenties and they fall into their routines as individuals and they're coming together, trying to merge those um, into a marriage. Yeah. And, you know, we've seen it. So here, um, in our local town softball, City League softball is this big thing. It's all year long. Thousands of people play. I mean, it's a big thing. Um, and we've seen where people have played, you know, like you're a single guy. Nothing else going on. You're playing four nights a week. Yeah. Hey, it's, it's what it is. And then um, you get start dating somebody and the girlfriend starts coming out and watches, you know, a couple of nights a week or whatever. Well, then you get married and she doesn't want to go out there anymore, right? Or <laughs> yeah. you're still playing four nights a week and then practicing another night or two a week, and um, that's all you're talking about. And the excuse is, well, she knew that's who I was when we got married.
0: Yeah.
1: Like, like she knew that's who I was when I got married. It's like, yeah, but bro you got to put away some childish things right to grow up and, what, and I think it's we're just using softball that. as yeah. a, just, we, right, yeah. we're using softball as an example but that can go across yeah, any thing. anything at all whether that's video games or well, anything yeah. um but that that separation isn't you know having that a long time is important not losing your I- self yeah, you know right. your, your identity yeah. and so i think there has to be some that open compromise and communication and then obviously as you get older ensuring that hey you you do have that time Alone. Right. So like my wife is a stay-at-home mom. I work and then I come home and we we have a schedule where, hey, they're there for a few hours. It's family time. But we're both on the clock with the kids. Yeah. Like that's from five to eight. We know we're both on the clock with the kids starting at eight. Like she's off the clock. Yeah. Right now, I mean, she doesn't just like walk away, right. but there's a lot of times where, hey, it's like, hey, after eight o'clock, the kids are getting in bed. That's time for me and her, or that's time for her to go take a bath and just relax and do, do whatever we want to do for a little bit. Yeah. And it does give us some of that time to be alone, right? And, and yeah. to find ourselves um, without just being constantly being mom, dad, right. boss, whatever.
0: Right. So, yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff. I think that the, the next unhealthy habit I want to talk about is being emotionally immature and the idea behind emotional maturity is that I am able to be a well regulated adult. It's children that can't regulate their emotions, right? Like I love all three of my children. I love my kids, but there are times they get upset about things that I'm like, this isn't a big deal. Like it, like it, this is not life changing. This isn't altering anything, just something that's that we had to shift, but for them, because they, it's more challenging for them to regulate their emotions. They get upset. And so, but what I see in marriages where people are unable to be regulated emotionally, that's exactly what happens. They become emotionally overwhelmed easily, and when they become emotionally overwhelmed easily, they make poor decisions. They say things they shouldn't say. They're unable to control any type of desire. They're unable to control impulses. And this can lead to a lot of a lot of really un- even more unhealthy habits when someone just does not have the ability to control their emotions. And I've been I've done a lot of a lot of study in this. And what's really fascinating, I don't think that I don't think this is gonna be like a like a massive movement, but there is a movement within some mainstream corporations that are focusing more on people's EQ and not their IQ yeah right because intelligence is fantastic and I just I think I was I saw something on YouTube the other day that was talking about this guy that had apparently one of the most brilliant minds and his IQ was through the roof. It was way higher than Einstein's who's unbelievably intelligent like could speak two or three languages by the time he was eight. just really smart. But wound up in his later years, like 20s, 30s, becoming like an alcoholic and a bunch and just ruined his life. IQ is great. But if you don't know how to control the emotional aspect of you, Mm -hmm. no matter how much IQ you have. And so this is the, the idea behind this being an unhealthy habit is when I fall into the habit of not regulating my emotions or not growing emotionally, then I end up giving way to impulses or behaviors attitudes that are just not healthy for a marriage.
1: Yeah. And we see that a lot. I mean, I think now when we, when we look at this generation in particular, right. Um, we see a ton of where people just don't have a lot of emotional, um, They're emotionally immature. And so, you know, they tend to just continue to linger on the things that they did when they were teenagers. Yes. And so, uh, what are, you know, as I know we're not doing a whole episode over emotional immaturity today, I I know we've done one in the past um, to a degree, but that bleeds into so many other aspects. And especially if one person in the relationship is very emotionally mature and one is very emotionally immature, you get a parent relationship almost, which. Absolutely yeah we, we could we could spend hours talking about we literally, that
0: yeah there's so much here which
1: does lead into the next topic of controlling the family finances
0: are you tagging with this <laughs> you're the you're the financial planner
1: yeah so no we see this a lot and especially when people are emotionally mature or they feel like hey i lead the family it's my ministry it's my business yeah. it's i'm the one that i'm the mft yeah right, right. yeah i mean you <laughs> forgot like I've been at home this whole time, making sure that you could become an NFT, <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly right. Um, yeah. And so that control over the family finances is super detrimental. Uh, and, and for some couples, it does make sense. One one person manages the finances, sure. like in our relationship. Even though I, I'm a financial planner, Megan actually manages our, our day-to-day money. Yeah. Um, that's, she enjoys it better. She's better at it. I handle the investments in the long term, but she actually handles our day-to-day and, and bills and all of those kind of things. But when you have that tight grip on the finances where one spouse doesn't even know how much they make, and this happens all the time. We've had employees who had no idea what their paycheck actually was because their spouse controlled all of it. Really? Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, so we've given bonuses and people had, I mean, literally had no idea. No idea that they they'd received any kind of bonus. Had a rough idea maybe what they made, but had never actually seen their deposit, didn't have access to the bank account, didn't have access to anything. Whoa. They would just come on the spouse to take their credit card or they'd go get gas and the credit card would be shut off. Whoa, um, whoa. All because the other spouse didn't like what they were doing. That's,
0: um, that's like a whole nother level. It is,
1: but we see it it we see it a lot more than we and we don't see it, unfortunately. Yeah.
0: I think it. I think if you are a, if you're a control freak, if you are someone that has to be in control, my my question is where is that? Where did that come from? They didn't. You know that behavior's learned,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it can be learned multiple ways. Maybe they had very little control as a child. Parents didn't hear them. Their parents were in the building but weren't present. And so they feel like they have to, if, if they can control it, they have to, maybe, maybe they saw that type of learned behavior from one of their spouses, one of their parents. Uh, but I think that is just an inability. For, I think it's, a, I think it's trusting your spouse is going to mess up. Or I think this kind of gets into some, maybe some contempt. My spouse couldn't handle yeah. the day to day. My spouse couldn't handle what's happening with our finances as if, your spouse is some immature kid. Mm-hmm. And that, that to me is just, that goes to this whole other level of. We, uh, we see that a lot
1: with our entrepreneur clients, uh, where they, they own their own business or they have even a ministry, right? They have their own ministry. We see that a lot in that because usually we see one one spouse runs the business, right? And yeah. it's taking care of all of it. And if you've been a business owner, if you've done any kind of investing in, in anything, you know, sometimes those investments don't work out. They just don't, mm-hmm. right? Um, I had an interview yesterday with, with somebody who said, you know, they spent years and years perfecting their craft, moving in this direction. They were going to be like a magazine publisher or something. And, you know, years ago, if you put 10 years in, you're guaranteed six figures and a basically a steady, healthy job for the rest of your life. And she was like, I put in my 10 years. And all the magazines shut down. <laughs> I mean, it yeah. became a whole different ball game. Yeah. And sometimes those investments don't work out. Sometimes you, you buy the wrong product. Sometimes, you know, you use a cheaper supplier and that supplier doesn't come through. Or even a more expensive supplier and the supplier doesn't come through. And it, it, it does create that contempt in the other spouse, right? Of, hey, well, like you wasted, you know, you wasted that $20,000 or you wasted that $50 or you wasted whatever when we didn't have it. So I'm going to control all of it now. And if you want to make a decision, huh. hey, it needs to come through me or we like I have to have those reins on it. And it it it's a terrible trust yeah thing. And Now there are I'll say we've had other couples who have went off and just made a, a ton of frivolous purchases and gambled the money away and did everything yeah, right. wrong, right? So I think that's where communication and, and trust comes in. Yeah. But that ultimate iron fist control is not help. It's an unhealthy habit. Yeah. So um, yeah, so I know we we have a few more minutes. Jeremy, yeah. we've got a couple more here we're gonna chat about. Go on to our next one. So
0: yeah. I think this is obvious, but I'm going to point it out anyways. Unhealthy habits, unhealthy actions would be bringing sexual addiction into the home or a lack of sexual intimacy. And that's obvious to state, but I'm not afraid to talk about it. I know, Taylor, you're not either, but I've seen this wreck so many marriages, so many families. That when one spouse and I'll use I'll use a pornography addiction yeah. when one spouse has and and let, let me also clarify this because I think we get this twisted like this is a male and female issue it's not just a man thing and that's why people are like oh well women women don't do that they very much do and so when one spouse brings that into their marriage I can't tell you how many how many guys Taylor I've talked to that like, okay, they they're had, they have a porn issue. I'm like, okay, so, you know, and the first conversation is, well, when did it start? When I was 10 or 11. And, you know, we did a whole episode on porn, yeah. so you guys should check that one out. But when you bring that type of addiction into your marriage, it skews your brain. And then you start thinking, well, my, my spouse should be like this. Or why isn't my spouse like that? Or why isn't my spouse doing this or doing that and then we get this whole idea of what sexuality should be and it is so unhealthy to bring a pornography addiction or another type of sexual addiction maybe you just don't know how to control yourself and so you end up cheating on your spouse there's a lot of things that we that you can go into but this is an obvious one that if this is you if 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 what i just said sounds like you if you're one of our listeners you're like hey that that does sound like me, I want to encourage you get some help, get some help yeah. for your, for yourself and for your marriage. Cause I think what you'll end up finding is that you're going to have a much more fulfilling marriage when there is no sexual addiction. And if there's a lack of sexual intimacy, there's a reason for it. Yeah. yeah. And that's all, I think one ends yeah, up leading to uh, the other. It does.
1: Yeah. And I, saw, I just saw this morning, I was, I was trying to find it when you were talking, uh, somebody had posted a little screenshot thing, and, and basically said, um, "You know, if you spend every night looking at other women on Instagram, and you don't know why you can't, why you're not being sexually fulfilled in your home, there's your answer."
0: Absolutely, like it was—it was just 100%. black and white.
1: Blunt. Um, and, and we see that. And we've done social media talks, and I yeah. know that'll continue to be a, something we discuss because it is so devastating. Absolutely. Um, whether it is hardcore pornography or softcore pornography yeah. or it's whatever they post on Instagram yep. and TikTok yep. when you're constantly putting those things in front of your eyes and not even whether it's the mommy bloggers with the perfect life or yeah. the guys that make a million dollars living a day. in fantasy land it's a fantasy land Yeah, living in yeah. fantasy land it's an extreme unhealthy habit and I can't tell you how many young couples that we talk to that their issues all face back to that we're in the middle of it and they're like well I mean if, if you've seen the blonde so and so on Instagram right or if you you know if he was just more like Bob from this show. And maybe you should stop watching those shows. Remember, let's start there. Absolutely. Let's let's turn it off. Like you can, there's an unfollow button. Um, There's a hide, there's a block, you know, stop putting those things in front of your eyes. And I think that leads to a lot of our unhealthy habits is we look and say, we're always comparing ourselves. Yeah. You know, if if I kept my priorities at home, the priorities, I think we get there. And so um, one of that is, Is we look on Instagram, right? And we, and even as a couple, we may say, "Hey, you know, I'm really looking forward to this vacation. I'm really looking forward to this this trip to Jamaica. We're gonna have so much fun." And we live in that that moment of that vacation, that moment, that honeymoon. Yeah. But we neglect the day in day out. Yeah. Right. So how am I treating my spouse when they walk in the door? How am I talking to them first thing in the morning? Are we actually having breakfast together or some meal together? Yeah. Because guess what? All of those times. That 99.9% of your life, yes, it's the small things, but it's not really the small things. Yeah. And so if you can take care of those small things where those small things become healthy habits, and yes. it just takes a little bit, it just takes a little bit of trying and just a little bit at a time, every day, small habits um, become lifestyles. Yeah. And to me, that's, that's what creates really happy, thriving marriages yeah. is implement small changes and it, it can become a healthy lifestyle. Yeah.
0: So I think, I think Taylor kind of what you're saying there is the unhealthy habit is focusing on big moments while neglecting the little ones. Definitely kind of as we're wrapping up here. And I think that that's probably a, a a little lighter uh, unhealthy habit to end on Uh, making sure that you're focusing on the little moments, not being so consumed or controlled by the big moments. Well, everybody, thanks for listening to this week's episode of the millionaire marriage Check us out where podcasts are found and hope to see you next week.